As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the athletics tuesday national college football podcast hosted by yours truly nicole auerbach i'm thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague chris vanini to break down all the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less if you enjoy this podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review the andy staples and friends show five stars because much like your favorite recruits we want to make an immediate impact which is a timely tag with signing day approaching um and chris it is great to have you on and also i'm surprised we can get you on because it is we're full on in the middle of coaching change season we are the carousel is spinning and you are a very busy man how much sleep are you getting right now it's a busy time um the calendar is different as well normally this kind of thing happens thanksgiving normally we have some coaches fired along the way and instead most of it's all happening now and some places that we didn't think we're going to make a change are making a change some places we did think aren't and you never know what the next day is going to bring on top of that we have not only conference championship games but just other games and a bowl game happening on saturday as well so it's been a weird year and I, i think it's a pretty fitting weird end to it yeah so we're gonna have a a bowl game we'll finish before some conference championship games will finish. We will also have a Pac-12 championship that has USC playing Oregon, who it was not originally scheduled to play in the Pac-12 championship, but Washington had no available offensive linemen. And so a day after they announced the Pac-12 championship matchup, they changed it. And three and a half days out, they changed the matchup. Colorado has no one to play. It's kind of a decent encapsulation of just the chaos that has been the season, because not only did you change opponents and, you know, Colorado got, you know, kind of screwed with no one to play. You also have to prepare for the game with three and a half days to go. And, 
you know, that's actually longer than some teams have had to prepare for opponents this year. So in, in all, it's very 2020 and having a bowl game and having regular seasons, having some cancellations. Um, it's just bizarre, but we will, we will get there. We are at the final full Saturday full. I guess we've got some Friday games, but final college football Saturday of the year in the truest of sense. Week 16. 16. First time we've really had this one. Yeah, I was just talking with somebody about that. 16. And the bowl game, by the way, is the Frisco Bowl. Uh, just down the road from me, uh, SMU is playing UTSA, which will be a fun one. Uh, so, yeah, bowl season's here, too. So Bowl season's here. Off we, we go. Have, we have a New Mexico Bowl that's going to be played in Texas. We got a lot We got a lot of weird stuff coming. Also in Frisco. Everybody's also going to suburban Dallas. It's yes, a place to be. Right near you. So we will get into um, some of the big storylines heading into the weekend, the Pac-12 championship. Um, We'll also discuss the ACC just hired their new commissioner, Northwestern Athletic Director Jim Phillips. But first, Chris, because you are our um, coaching carousel guru, we got to get into it because it is a bigger cycle than I think we anticipated. And I want to start there heading into this season. You and I had had a lot of conversations and we had done reporting in the off season about the financial crunch that all of these programs were in and college colleges and higher education as a whole. So even understanding, you know, how college athletics work and, and that, you know, again, how much money boosters like to throw around. Did you expect a lot of action, a lot of coaches being fired and a lot of changes. Uh, no. And I I mean, I didn't, people in the industry didn't, you know, like, like you said, you and I did a story about it. People thought, you know, money is bad. We don't know if the season is going to be played. How many games are you going to have? Are are, our athletic directors really going to pay a coach millions of dollars right after laying off people? Um, and, and nobody thought so, but, but then reality happened. Then the game started happening. And then people remembered what losing feels like. And people didn't like that. And then, you know, the, the news of a possible vaccine came and, and the idea that business could be back to normal in 2021. And suddenly the boosters had some money. And as a result, we have Gus Malzahn getting almost $22 million in guaranteed buyout, half of which is paid in 30 days. Wow. We've got Kevin Sumlin getting a seven and a half million dollar guaranteed uh, or could be guaranteed buyout. I think it's optional offset right after uh, furloughing people and, and laying off, I think 20 something people in the athletic department in Arizona. So uh, no, for, for a lot of people, it's kind of back to business as usual. And our colleague Andy Staples wrote a really good column about it today is that it's not exactly a good business, but it's the business that everybody's in. So is, is the only thing that really changed was, like actual games got played and people got annoyed by losing. They kind of forgot that they were going to be this annoyed by losing and they were going to figure out if they could get this money. I mean, cause, cause again, you know, it, it is a terrible look. It, it's a terrible look, especially for athletic departments that have had layoffs have, you know, required people to take pay cuts. And, you know, again, even if a booster, you know, can, can cover all the costs again, it's like you're paying, if you're Auburn, you're paying, $21 million to not have this coach, then you're going to pay potentially to buy out someone else's contract, or at the very least you're paying for a new head coach and his whole new staff. So, um, you know, I, I again, if, even if it, it doesn't make sense, even if it's frustrating, like it is, you know, it, it's what happened, I guess, because games were played 
and losses were endured and people decided to make changes. So was, was Auburn the biggest surprise to you? That was something that you weren't sure was going to open and finally did. Cause it's kind of one of those jobs that I feel like every year for the last however many years we wondered, right. is this going to open? Yeah. Auburn is it, it, will they, or won't they for five years now? And just when you think he's going to get fired, he pulls out a win and gets an extension of some kind. I, I, and, and that's what it ends up being. You know, there, there had been, you know, whispers going around for a, a number of weeks that the boosters had put the money together, got the money that they, they felt would be uh, what they wanted to do. Um, but it was still weird to see it happen. You know, it, yeah. it, it was kind of an annual ritual of this dance with Gus Malzahn. And then to see it finally end was a little bit shocking. I'd put on the five, five out of 10 scale. You know, they finished six and four. They beat Mississippi State. It wasn't a pretty win, but it was still a relatively comfortable win. They danced. Um, they dance. They, they dance. It's, it's a heck of a way to go out. I mean, maybe, you know, Gus was dancing then and, you know, I'm sure he wasn't dancing when he got fired, but I'm sure when that $10 million uh, check hits the, the account in a few weeks, he might be doing a little bit of dancing in his head once again. What would you do if you got paid $10 million a month from now? Man, I've been thinking about that all day. <laughs> like, I like, I, I don't know how much the most expensive things in the world cost because I'm not in the market for them. Uh, but I do a lot of things, get a house, car, find a PS5, uh, you know, the important things. Well, I know you've been holding off on that because you're not sure you can commit $500 to one item that you're not sure you're going to like. So I, I do think that that would be a good use um, of, you know, one of your first five purchases. I would buy an amazing house somewhere like remote on an island somewhere and ride out COVID the rest of the way. Is that does that cost $10 million? That's the thing. I don't know how much an island costs. No, not, I'm not buying a whole island. I'm buying like a nice house on an island somewhere, like That's Kauai. Right. Okay, so like I could, that, I, I you know, again, it doesn't- I, Actually, I'll tell you this. I tell you this, actually. Speaking of this money, I am on, my, my work email for The Athletic is weirdly on some email list from some guy, a realtor in- LA, like Hollywood. And every week I get an update from him <laughs> about the latest houses that they have for sale that are like 10 to $50 million homes. So that's, that's kind of what my measuring stick is in terms of how much a house like that costs. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm not totally sure. I just know that that's how much apparently some houses cost in, uh, in Hollywood. <laughs> Yes. Um, and those of us who watched Selling Sunset understand that as well. So yeah, it, it is an insane amount of money. And, and Kevin Sumlin's buyout that you just mentioned is also on top of his buyout, which I think he's still getting paid from AM or I haven't checked the AM buy in a while, but that was another one that was a lot of money. Yeah. So so there are some coaches right now who um, have the best job in the world, which is a fired college football coach, um, and a lot of money just kind of due to them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, so at this point, we're recording this Monday night around 6 o'clock central, just so that if anything crazy happens between now and when you're listening to this, um, we were not wrong. We were correct ish with the information we had at the time. So at this point, um, the jobs that are open, obviously Auburn fired Gus Malzahn. Lovey Smith is out of Illinois. Arizona got rid of Kevin Sumlin. Um, and then updates as again, as we're recording this Monday evening, uh, Tom Herman will stay the head coach at Texas. Matt Wells will stay the head coach at Texas tech. Um, and Butch Jones has been hired at Arkansas state and Vanderbilt appears to be Clark Lee's job. If he wants it, Michigan is still TBD. We don't know about an extension. We don't know about a change with Jim Harbaugh. Um, and so, so that's really where we are right now. A couple of jobs open, a few more waiting to see, um, Virginia tech sent out two different emails, uh, one announcing a zoom press conference with their athletic director only for Tuesday. And then one announcing that Justin Fuente will have a signing day press conference on Wednesday. So that one And, is- and for the context on this, by the way, Virginia tech announces a press conference for Tuesday at midnight, Monday night, going into Tuesday, Justin Fuente's buyout drops from $12.5 million to $10 million. Mm. All the indications are that seems to be a head coaching change is coming. Then a few hours later, Virginia Tech decides to announce, oh, also we have a Wednesday press conference with Justin Fuente. I, I don't know who decided those were the order in which the emails went out or what, <laughs> uh, but that continues to be a very weird situation at the moment. Yes, and um, I, I think you made this point, Chris, but you could also just put out a email with like the information that you, you actually can just say. You can just say he's back. Like, why, yeah. why, why are we leaving this up in the air if this is the case? Uh, if this is the case, like I well, said, this keeps changing. Well, and it's kind of, it's, it's funny too, because the way that um, it unfolded with Matt Wells and Texas tech today on Monday was also similar where, um, you know, it, it's, you get an email that he is making an offensive coordinator change and then you have to check, wait, does that mean, so that means he's fine, right? Like everyone is um, handling some of the dicey situations in different ways, very cryptically. Um, but he will be back uh, as well. So there's a lot going on and it's, it's, it's potentially far from being over. Um, and and Chris, I, I do want to get into the Auburn job a little bit more because it is the biggest one. Um, it is a job where you're expected to win now. You're expected to contend for SEC championships. You're expected to, um, you know, beat Nick Saban, which not every coach in the whole history of college football has been able to do, not every Auburn coach. So where do you see that right now, again, as we're recording this and um, just sort of like what they need in that position? Again, when you're paying someone $21 million not to be there, uh, you would think that you would have the person in mind. You better make a home run with this hire if this is what if this is what uh, you're trying to do. And, you know, the, the thing with Gus, you know. Nick Saban wasn't the problem as much as everybody else was the problem. You know, he went three and five against Nick Saban. That's a pretty good record. It's better than anybody else has really. Uh, it was, it was losing four games a season. That was the problem. So what does this mean now? It depends who you talk to because when boosters put together $20 million to fire a coach, they are going to have opinions about who you should hire uh, to, to fix that. There are some people who think Hugh Freeze 
is in the mix. There are some people who think he's not. There are some people who think Kevin Steele will be the guy. There are others who think the fans will not accept paying $21 million just to promote a guy you already had on the staff. There are people who like Mario Cristobal, the Oregon head coach who has a $8 million buyout there. So that's another, you're paying almost $30 million just to buy out coaches before you even pay Cristobal if you hire him. So, you know, there, there are different factions of different people who want different things and, 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 the school has to make the decision the school wants to make. Um, I don't think it'll go on too long. You know, we've got signing day happening on Wednesday. Um, and you, will this stretch out to the end of the week? That's kind of the sense people have. It might, it, it'll be a few days, might get to the end of the week, maybe into next week. But, you know, I, I wrote this when the job came open, the Auburn job is going to be weird. It was going to get weird because that job always gets weird because there's a lot of people with a lot of hands in the cookie jar who want to have a say on where things go. And so different things leak out to different people and we'll see what they do. And is if, if you don't, well, I guess, I guess the question is what would surprise you the most with the, with what direction they would go at this point? I mean, I, I guess I, I, I guess I would be, I, I'm not surprised that it would happen. I, I, I would be surprised if they felt the decision was to pay 20 something million dollars to buy out Gus Malzahn and then promote Kevin Steele, the defense coordinator, who's already there. Uh, you know, people could compare it to Ed Orgeron, you know, they've paid a bunch of money to fire less than I hired Ed Orgeron, but Ed Orgeron coached out the rest of the year. He had like tape to show of what he could do as a head coach and also Tom Herman turned them down. So this is not like a guy's getting the job blind. Kevin Steele was, I think, 9-36 as the head coach at Baylor uh, a while back. So that would be probably the most surprising in terms of that they – not that it would happen, but that they felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that, that I also wanted to get into you while we have you as our – you know, you're, you've lived in this world for so many years. I think – one thing people have been grappling with this cycle is some of the ones that, and they may all end up keeping their jobs this year, but the fact that, you know, when Tom Herman was hired at Texas and Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska and Jim Harbaugh was hired at Michigan, it seemed like home run hires. And, you know, th those were the absolute, the number one pick for each of those choices. Um, they got the guy and in two of those, you know, it's a, you're bringing back an alum and it's this big deal. You're bringing somebody home. What did, did we learn anything about how we evaluate coaching hires? Cause again, like, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world that on the day that they were hired, everyone thought they were slam dunks, but d does it make us think about fits differently or, or what people are actually, what, what causes success? Well, you know, I, I've learned that you really, you know, you really don't need to do it anyway, but there's, you really, really don't need to do coaching grades when they happen, yeah, yeah. you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. We, most of us, myself included thought Mac Brown to North Carolina was a, was a, was not a good move. was a retry. And instead Mac Brown's got a top 25 North Carolina team. That's recruiting the hell out of how to things. And that's working. And Scott Frost at Nebraska is not working. And Tom Herman is not working. Jim Harbaugh was, pretty good up until this year. So yeah, we just, we never know what a real fit is because we're just, you know, it's, we're just not inside the program. We can talk about, you know, the people who know this coach say great things about him. 
I've talked with this coach. I've been around him. He does great things. He'd be a great fit there for, for certain things, but it just, it takes the right person at the right time. And that's really hard to come by. You know, it's just, it, it really is. And I'm not, I'm really, it's not worth judging any higher when it happens. I know we love to, that's the whole point. We love to debate about everything. It's college football in a nutshell, but we're wrong about a lot of these things. We are. And I think, you know, we've, we've all seen that, you know, hiring can be an inexact science and, and things that we thought would work wouldn't, um, you know, which leads me to a big, big hire. Um, and it may not be getting as many headlines as, you know, who's Auburn going to hire, but the ACC hired their next commissioner. And it's, it's Jim Phillips from Northwestern, who, who I know very well. And he has been on, you know, the basketball selection committee, division one council, a lot of NCAA uh, issues, you know, he's, he's very familiar with and a lot of experience. He was thought by, by many and wanted by many athletic directors to be the next big 10 commissioner when Jim Delaney retired and uh, he was passed over. They went way outside of the box, hired Kevin Warren from the Minnesota Vikings and the ACC goes outside of its footprint, um, you know, for someone who, again, he has ties to Duke's athletic director, Kevin White. He, you know, has worked at Notre Dame, which is a full member of the ACC this year, but it, it's definitely, um, you know, it's, it's going out and hiring a, a respected um, athletic experienced athletic director from another league, which is kind of what the big 12 did when they hired Bob Bowlesby. And I think it, it's really interesting at this point in time in college sports, because, you're having this changing of the guard where, where you had Mike Slive and Jim Delaney and John Swafford and these people who are in these roles for so long and deciding the direction and course of the sport for so long. And now, you know, you have Greg Sankey, you have Kevin Warren. Now you're going to have Jim Phillips in the ACC. And these are, you know, we talk about the power five, but that those are three of the power five. It changes the whole dynamic in those rooms and those conversations about, you know, the playoff about scheduling, about TV, media deals, and, and all of the different things that, that happen. And, you know, it, it just feels like an interesting time to take a job like that, where you have, you know, name, image, and likeness reform is, is right around the corner. And, um, you know, maybe Congress is going to get involved there. And, um, you know, it's, there's just, there's just so much going on in the sport feels in college sports in general feel like, they're just changing. There's a lot of challenges to, to kind of the system itself. And it's an interesting time to have a lot of new faces to, to college sports in these types of roles. And, and Phillips is leaving one of the most comfortable jobs there is to be the athletic director at Northwestern. You've got, you know, there's not a, a fan base that's going to be barging down your door to make changes in football or basketball. You know, you've got a you've got a donor base there. It's a very, very good athletic director job with with not a ton of pressure. But Jim Phillips is a guy who has always been at the forefront at a lot of these things. And and you know him, you know him better than I do, but he, he always seems like he he sees where the tides are going on these things and knows how to adjust accordingly. And yeah, he's jumping in as college sports sees one of the biggest changes and just structural overhauls that we've ever seen in our lifetime with everything you mentioned, NIL transfers, um, all sorts of, uh, of stuff going on. And in, in the amateur thing, amateurism thing was not going away either. So yeah, he's taken a big jump here, but I think anybody who's worked close with the big 10, uh, you know, has nothing but good things to say about the guy. 
Yeah, and uh, just a fun fact for for those listeners who are unaware of this connection, but the very iconic crying Northwestern kid meme <laughs> is Jim's son. And mm-hmm. so it got a lot of use out of uh, Northwestern audiences as they were very sad to say goodbye to the Phillips family. Um, so he's going to be a great addition. I think he'll do great things. I was texting with Chris Collins, um, you know, the, his basketball coach, who was personally bummed to lose him, but also thinks he's just going to kill it in this job. So it's going to be fascinating that change of that guard he takes over February 2021 and um Chris before we wrap up we got to talk about championship weekend um you know an early look at it and again we've already had one matchup change totally the Pac-12 is now uh the championship game will be USC versus Oregon and there's already a lot of you know kind of clamoring for people just to crown USC the champion and and crown them they could. I mean, everyone's blowing up their own rules this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, you know, USC might need its final minute comeback once again. But I, I think that that's one of the games that I'm actually pretty interested in, although that could change depending on, you know, where the playoff ranks them. You know, our our, our friend and, um, you know, loud colleague, um, close, close personal friend of, of Johnny Manziel, Ari Wasserman, has been banging the drum for uh for usc here i i don't know think- no no wait 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 in fairness to ari and what he keeps saying is that usc is not out of it he's not saying they're in it he's saying they're not out of it a lot of people including johnny manzel seem to uh, take the interpretation that he thinks usc should definitely be in over a texas a&m and that led to a whole thing well, on Twitter. well but listen. but i i think usc is out of it just for I, the record i disagree I, with i disagree with ari i do too um but i also understand where he is coming from in just the sense that on paper their record looks like ohio state they will get to the same amount of games um but yes we we know that the way you win games and the eye tests are, are things that matter but yes ari did get into a Twitter fight with, uh, with Johnny Manziel. So I'm sure he will discuss that on this podcast with Andy Staples this week. Um, although, you know, something crazier could happen with him and maybe he's going to get more filet of fish merch or something. So you, you really never know with an Ari Wasserman week. So, I mean, to me, to me, like, you know, we'll see if that game has any bearing on anything. It's been a while since the Pac-12 championship has in terms of the playoff picture. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most ML. MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Some strange things that are going to be happening are like the Big Ten championship game is going to kick off at noon, which is going to feel weird. And, you know, Ohio State is going to play Northwestern, which may not be the best team in the West right now. You know, I think you could make that case for Iowa playing the best right now. Um, and then, you know, obviously we get Clemson, Notre Dame a second time. You've got Dabo's been complaining about the amount of games they've played all week, um, over and over. So what are you looking most forward to? I want to see the Sunbelt championship game. We've got two top 20 teams. Coastal Carolina is undefeated 11 and 0. They've played more than twice as many games as Ohio state has, and they're playing Louisiana who is nine and one, I think. And they beat Iowa state by 17 points. 
which I feel like we need to keep reminding people. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a game. And, and Cincinnati, Tulsa, if Cincinnati wins, Cincinnati is getting that group of five auto bid to the New Year's six, which would be big for them and would be, I think, a fifth, fourth or fifth time the American got that bid. But Coastal Carolina's got a shot at an at-large berth. If they are 12-0 and with two wins over Louisiana and a win over BYU, they, they could have a case for a New Year's six at-large. So I am looking forward – uh, very much so to the Sunbelt championship game, I think. But but here's the thing. Shouldn't they be ahead of Cincinnati? You know, you could make the case. I think the fact that Cincinnati hasn't played in a while, they haven't added much to their resume. Yeah, but Cincinnati's kind of getting the treatment we give, ironically, we give to Power 5 teams, and that is they're staying high because we already had them high. You know, they beat UCF, Memphis, and SMU. At the time, those wins looked better than they were, or they, they look better than they are now. And, you know, since then, it has largely blown out those teams, in, in fairness. So, yeah, you can make a case that Coastal Carolina should be higher than Cincinnati. The Sun Belt is starting to try to make that case uh, themselves. They're, they're starting to campaign a little bit, and I'm going to be writing about that later this week. Um, but, yeah, th- this was a good, really good year for the Group of Five in a year where we knew that they would be playing more games. They would have more spotlight games, especially when the big 10 and Pac 12 weren't playing Sunbelt goes three and O against the big 12 and they haven't looked back. They've got two really, really good teams in coastal Carolina and Louisiana. And that is, I think going to be a real heavyweight uh, fight. And then, you know, the big 12, speaking of the big 12, we know the committee likes the big 12. Yep. Again, for whatever reason, despite going home three against the Sunbelt, but Iowa state, Oklahoma, Iowa state, if they win, if they beat Oklahoma again, there are going to be people trying to get Iowa State into that number four spot if one of the if Clemson uh, loses loses again or something like that. Yeah, and and that's one thing that you know I've sifted through because I've got you know I always come up with some questions heading into playoff rankings, and you know if Clemson loses again, I know Dabo has said like they should be considered, and I I know it'd be the same opponent twice and this and that, but they would have one top 25 win. And, and I think it would be really challenging. And so that's where you get in the debate about Texas A&M and you get in the debate about Iowa state and, you know, whether or not USC is too far out of the picture. So I I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I I think, you know, obviously I'm excited for Clemson, Notre Dame a second time. I do not want it a third time. Just want to put that out into the universe. If they, uh, you know, if, if, if Clemson wins and both teams make the playoff, please, please don't give it to us in a semifinal less than two weeks later. I imagine, I imagine they'll tweak it for that reason. I think I would think so. I would, I would hope so, but, um, you know, that's something I would take into consideration if I was on the selection committee, but I, I think it'll be really fun the second time. Um, you know, I, I think especially, you know, with, with getting Trevor Lawrence back and some of the defensive players, you know, Clark Lee's had an interesting week, um, but they've got extra time to prep for this game. And, you know, I think I think Notre Dame fans realize how how close they've been to losing him and how Vandy had opened last year. Maybe they don't have him this year and and, and all that going on. So um, I, I think it's going to be a really fun championship weekend. And then and then just to have all these regular season games and these, you know, I, and the Big Ten's calling it Champions Week and, you know, the fact. <laughs> 12 is that didn't that didn't hold that didn't hold up when 10 of your 14 teams have two or three wins on the season and that you didn't pair everyone like second place versus second place third versus third and it wasn't yes i was i was hoping we were going to get you know the 13th place game essentially 
well know, that one and two and all that but we're not we we kind of do i mean you do have a couple teams that are matched up pretty close to where they are in the actual standings but again and 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 i totally understand prioritizing the rivalries and and making them up in in the bucket game and and minnesota wisconsin um but you know you've got games being played in the sec and in the acc and so it's going to be a weird weekend it's going to feel like last weekend where you had army navy in this traditional slot where it's kind of like the only thing on and there's a bunch of other games going on so it's going to be really interesting um and and you know obviously the the carousel is going to keep spinning and and one other one other thing sorry let's we got to appreciate this moment notre dame may win a conference championship this is true it's it's never happened for all for all that independence talk and they're they're going to go back to it and i get why but you know, this is something we never thought we would see happen. Notre Dame playing in a conference, playing in a conference championship game. And if they if they join the ACC for one year, win the title and bail, that is one of the biggest boss moves in the history of college football. Absolutely. And I I think, what do you even do with that trope? Like, what do you, do you just put it like kind of front you and center? You declare yourself all-time champion. You will never be <laughs> dethroned. You know, that, that championship lives forever. It's really funny because it's it's like this worked out exactly as well as both sides could have hoped, right? <laughs> this idea that you could get two teams into the playoff, yep. but it would also be totally hysterical if Notre Dame did that in the one year that they are a full-time member of the ACC. They could also lose the conference championship game, and that's always been one of the talking points, too, that they don't play in one, so they don't have an opportunity to lose one, but I personally think they're in no matter what at this point on the list. They lost a hundred or nothing, which I isn't going to happen. So it, it all worked out really well for Notre Dame this year. But Chris, before we go, it is power hour. So we have to do our last calls, which for those who are uninitiated, we uh, rant about something or we, we kind of celebrate something. It's a reason to cheers. So it's either, you know, that belligerent drunk rant at the end of the night, or it's, um, you know, you're just so happy you want to celebrate something. And, um, you know, I will go first and then I will let you close this out. I would like to celebrate a shoe because I'm still not over this. I'm still not over Cole Taylor's cleat. And I, I just think that when the dust settles on this weird season and we get back to normal, everyone gets vaccinated. We have full stands and people play normal seasons and um, you know, teams aren't preparing two days before an opponent driving across the country in their equipment trucks for, you know, the game of Coastal Carolina. I, I think that one of the lasting images of this weird year will be a shoe being thrown in the fog in the swamp to cost Florida a chance at the college football playoff. And, and I, there will be a lot of weird images of lots of strange things coaches wearing masks, all sorts of things on the sidelines. But I think that we have never really seen something that goofy be that impactful in a while. Because again, Andy and I were discussing this on the podcast Saturday night about, you know, peeing on the field and, you know, different things that have been done that have been perfect peak college football moments. But throwing an opposing player's cleat Getting a penalty where the ref says, you know, you threw this shoe 20 yards, you know, they measured it in their minds and everything. I I just, I I just, I don't think that we will top that. It would take a lot to top that in terms of the absurdity of the moment and also what it actually 
meant and, and that it required a 57 yard field goal. And it still happened in the fog. It was just this incredible moment um, in such a weird year with the defending national champs, having such a terrible year to win a game like that. Um, so I just wanted to cheers again to that moment because it is perfectly college football. It is why we love the sport is why we watch the games because there shouldn't have been any reason for LSU to be in a game against Florida, considering the way both teams have been playing. And it was awesome. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And if you didn't find it as absurd as I did, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if we're on the same wavelength about this crazy sport. So cheers to Cole Taylor's shoe. And you didn't even mention my actual favorite part of all that. And that is the referee in announcing the penalty saying he threw the shoe 20 yards downfield. I've never, I, I don't know why it was that specific. I don't know. I if love was, that it was that specific. I don't know if there was a threshold that a, a certain distance that it had to go for it to become a penalty, but that was low key my favorite part of, uh, of that. So I was going to do a rant about how Coastal Carolina and Louisiana should be higher than Iowa State in the polls, in the rankings. They are in my 127 rankings. I don't expect them to be going to continue banging that drum. But I'm going to end on a positive note instead, and I want to give a shout-out and a toast to Jarrett Patterson, the running back at Buffalo, who continues to put up ridiculous numbers. He crossed the 1,000-yard mark this season in his fifth game, and he actually did it in the first half of the fifth game. So it was really four Jeez. and a half games. Only 11 other running backs in FBS history have reached a thousand yards in five games. Among them, Barry Sanders, Marcus Allen, Ricky Williams, Bryce Love. Patterson also has 18 touchdowns in five games. He had that 400 yard, eight touchdown game a couple weeks ago. Um, so just wanted to shout out Jared Patterson who continues to do a great job and got, uh, once again, got my third place Heisman vote in our straw poll this week. I am, I'm going to highly consider him on my actual Heisman ballot, which came out this week. Uh, so shout out to Jared Patterson who was having one heck of a year. I wrote a story about him earlier this season, or a couple weeks ago, check it out. Kind of how he got there, uh, yeah, playing with his twin brother and everything. And actually a side note, the Buffalo offensive line, by the way, Jared Patterson did not lead his team in rushing on Saturday. He had 100-something yards. Kevin Marks had 182 yards. Buffalo has had six 100-yard rushers in five games. They've actually had eight 90-yard eight rushers in five games. They haven't allowed a sack all season. Buffalo offensive line, those guys don't get enough credit in football in general. But Jared Patterson's great. The Buffalo offensive line is great. If you're watching the MAC championship game this weekend, those are – the guys you're going to want to watch. And just a shout out to you on the best timed feature in the history of the world. Yes. That Jarrett Patterson feature the day before he almost broke all the records. I'm still going to hold that against Lance Leopold. I will never forgive him for taking him out when he did in that game, when they were about to score a touchdown. Tough break. That, that will do it for this week's power hour. We got a lot off our chest. We also celebrated more than usual a little less angry chris will be all over the coaching carousel follow him on twitter um bookmark the tracker on on your athletic app and um you know i just have a tab open at all times he's got you covered chris thank you so much for joining me andy staples will be back for you know his usual antics and and chaotic whatever he's got going with with any guests or with ari wasserman again who literally feuded with with johnny football this week so a lot of great shows down the rest of the week here on um on in the andy staples and friends show 
We will see you next Tuesday on Power Hour. Thanks for listening and uh, read The Athletic in the meantime.